0: Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research based information about dramatically improving health, well being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Hey everyone, welcome to The Backstory. And
1: today I'm going to talk about a condition that I see a lot in our spine center. And while most of the data out there suggests that this condition is only responsible for about 15 to 20% of people with back pain, I believe it's largely underdiagnosed and missed as a source of chronic low back pain. And what I'm talking about is something called sacroiliac joint pain or SI joint dysfunction. And we know about 80% of the adults in the United States will have some episode of back pain during their lifetime. And while the majority of the back pain is caused by a disc herniation, sciatica, or joints of the spine, or even muscle pain, I think the sacroiliac joint deserves a little more attention. So what is the SI joint? The sacroiliac joint is located at the base of your spine. Now think about your spine. It starts with your skull, then you have your neck, your thoracic spine, your lumbar spine, and then way at the bottom is your sacrum. And this is the triangle-shaped bone near the bottom, which is just above your coccyx or your tailbone. So this sacrum connects to your ilium bone, and your ilium is part of your pelvis. Your pelvis is made up of three different segments of bone, and the sacroiliac joint is where that tailbone connects to the hip bone, just like the song says we used to sing when we were growing up. And what the SI joint does is support the weight of your body and it transmits a lot of the forces from the ground, through your legs, to your pelvis, to your spine, and it kind of acts as a shock absorber, which reduces the pressure that would normally get transferred to the spine as you move and you function, you sit, you stand, you bend forward, you lean back. It's this joint, the SI joint, that functions to transmit those forces. And the SI joint is a large joint. In fact, it is the largest joint attached to the spine. And it's connected with some muscles, but mostly with very, very strong ligaments that really add stability to the joint, but also provide for some limited range of motion. And when the SI joint is out of alignment or what we say dysfunctioning, SI joint dysfunction, or when the cartilage in the joint breaks down, that's when this joint can become painful. So why does it hurt when the SI joint is not functioning properly? So as I mentioned earlier, the SI joint typically has very little motion as a consequence of the strong ligaments that are in front of and in back of the joint. And when you're moving, going from bending forward or bending backwards, it's those ligaments that provide stability to the joint. And when this network of soft tissues that provide that support, are not functioning properly, that's when pain occurs. There are two primary mechanisms that cause SI joint dysfunction. And the first is that there may be too much motion or hypermobility. And when this happens, the pelvis can be unstable, which leads to instability, which can lead to pain. And typically patients with a hypermobile SI joint report that their pain is in their lower back or it radiates to their hips, or sometimes even radiates to the groin. The other common mechanism for SI joint dysfunction is when there is too little movement, or hypomobility. And when this fixation occurs, the muscles get really tense around the SI joint. These can spasm. This can, in turn, lead to more inhibited mobility. And patients in this group typically feel pain on that one side of the body. And sometimes it can refer to the pain, and rarely it can refer down the back of the leg into the foot. Now in clinic, we often confuse that with what we call sciatica pain, or a disc pinching a nerve, but it's actually the SI joint functioning improperly causing this radiating pain down the leg. The most common reason patients developed sacroiliac joint dysfunction is usually related to osteoarthritis, or some age-related change of the joint that can cause either hyper or hypomobility. Rarely is there inflammation in the joint, something called sacroiliitis, which can be associated with some underlying inflammatory process, and even gout, which typically occurs in the big joint, in the big toe, can also occur in the SI joint. Sometimes traumas, such as sustaining a fall or being involved in a car accident, can cause SI joint dysfunction. Another common patient group that we see is pregnant women. And the reason pregnant women get SI joint pain is that during pregnancy, your body releases a hormone called relaxin. And this hormone causes the SI joint to become a little more mobile, which widens the pelvis, which is there to accommodate the birth of a baby. So it's all connected. The SI joint gets a little less stable and that joint becomes a source of pain. And because the SI joint functions as a shock absorber, it's not surprising that if you suffer from knee arthritis or hip arthritis, or even a foot and ankle injury, you're gonna walk a little differently. And applying those abnormal forces from the ground, through your leg, all the way up to the SI joint can cause that joint to either become hypermobile or fixated, which can again lead to SI joint dysfunction. So what do patients report or feel when they come to the clinic and think that they have an SI joint problem. Now, patients' experience and symptoms will vary, but one of the most common things that we see in clinic is when patients say that their butt or back starts hurting when they're sitting, then they stand up, and the first few steps are extremely painful, But as soon as they start walking and taking a few steps, that acute back pain subsides. And when I hear this in the patient history, immediately I'm thinking of SI joint pain. In addition, pain is usually limited to one side of the body. And most patients will point to the sacroiliac joint pain. And if you look on your own body, the SI joint is located in your low back, just next to a dimple. If you have a small dimple where your back connects to your upper buttocks, this is called the dimple of venous and this is the precise location where the sacroiliac joint is located. Some of the less common symptoms could include numbness and tingling down the leg, sometimes a burning sensation in the pelvis, or even weakness, which is why the SI joint is often overlooked, and the focus is put on the lumbar spine or the disc as the source of pain. So how do you know if you have a problem associated with your SI joint? The SI joint is pretty difficult to diagnose because the joints are located deep in your body, and sometimes palpating or just touching the joint is not always a reliable test to confirm that this is the source of the pain, and imaging modalities such as x-rays, MRIs, and CAT scans are also not as reliable because very rarely is there anatomic destruction of the joint. Usually this is a mechanical problem. The joint is either hypermobile or hypomobile, which is why the physical examination and the history you provide when you go to the physician are one of the more reliable ways to confirm the diagnosis of SI joint pain. And once that diagnosis is confirmed, that's when the treatment program can start. The mainstay for treatment for any SI joint pathology is going to be physical therapy, and rehabilitation. Things with low impact exercises like yoga or Pilates, and even massage therapy can help stabilize the ligaments, strengthen the tissues around the SI joint, and eventually decrease the pain. We've talked about this in the past, whether cold packs or heat therapy is beneficial. Usually in the acute setting, a cold pack will help eliminate some of that inflammation if there is inflammation associated with pain. And once that acute episode has subsided, then heat can help relax the spasms associated with the soft tissues and the muscles around the SI joint. Another strategy that we use, especially in pregnant women, is to wear something called a sacroiliac belt. And essentially, this belt helps support the SI joint, which can limit motion. Especially those in a hypermobile state, when that hormone has been released during pregnancy, causing the ligaments to loosen, this SI joint belt can provide the stability that the ligaments are no longer providing. Medications such as anti-inflammatories and even steroids are less likely to yield a positive result because as I mentioned, sacroiliac joint pain is rarely an inflammatory process. It's more of a mechanical condition that requires a mechanical solution, such as physical therapy and rehabilitation. When it comes to the interventional approaches, for sacroiliac joint pain. Sometimes injecting a numbing drug like lidocaine or novocaine into the joint can do two things. First, it can provide the immediate diagnosis. If the pain goes away for a short period of time following this anesthetic injection, that can confirm that the SI joint is the source of the pain. Now, sometimes steroids are injected into the SI joint. While this is more commonly practiced than ought to be, the SI joint is usually not inflamed, something called sacroiliitis. So steroids are usually not indicated when treating SI joint pain. It's the anesthetic that can confirm the diagnosis and then provide the appropriate rehabilitation prescription to provide a long-term outcome. Now, patients often ask about stem cells or regenerative medicine techniques. And we published a paper last year looking at PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, And the results showed that PRP can improve function, decrease pain in patients with sacroiliac joint dysfunction. And the theory is that these regenerative agents, whether it's PRP or growth factors or prolotherapy, they are strengthening the ligaments and the soft tissues around the SI joint, which help stabilize the joint. These regenerative modalities are not building cartilage or making the appearance of the joint better on imaging but providing some stability to the soft tissues can decrease a hypermobile situation, which, again, can decrease your function. Now, when these conservative and even interventional treatments do not yield the best result, then surgery is something that is to be considered. Now, surgery is typically the last resort when it comes to sacroiliac joint dysfunction, and this surgery involves placing small screws across the joint, which stabilize them, And that stability will in turn lead to less dysfunction and less pain. One of the groups that I want to mention is in those patients who have had a previous fusion. So remember, the sacroiliac joint pain transmits forces from the lower extremities to the spine. So if a patient has a fusion at L5 and S1, those forces that used to dissipate evenly across those segments now get transferred to the sacroiliac joint which is the adjacent segment to the fusion, and also above the joint to the L45 segment. So it's not uncommon in a patient after a spinal fusion to subsequently develop some SI joint dysfunction down the road. So how do you prevent your sacroiliac joint from dysfunctioning? How do you prevent this situation from occurring in the first place? So there are several muscles that connect the sacrum to the hip bones, to the pubic bones, that support the pelvis and support the sacroiliac joint. And some of these exercises help stabilize the joint to prevent this SI joint from undergoing hypermobility. The four most common exercises to help strengthen the SI joint include, number one, the clamshell. And this is where you're lying on your side with your legs stacked on each other. Your knees are bent to about 45 degrees and you squeeze your abdominal muscles. And while your feet are touching, you raise your upper knee as high as you can, and then lower it down and repeat. And this is gonna strengthen the muscles on the side of your leg. In addition to that, hip adduction, add strengthening can help. And one of the more common exercises is lying on your back. With your both knees bent, you can place a rubber ball or an exercise ball in between your knees. And keeping your back slightly arched, you squeeze the ball with both knees. For five to ten seconds and releasing and this will strengthen the hip adductors which is kind of your groin muscles. The bridge exercise is great at activating the glutes where you lie on your back, your knees are bent, your palms are planted on the floor and you slowly lift your hip up into the air. Hold that for five to ten seconds, engage your core and then slowly lower down. And the last exercise which I love for the core is something called the bird dog. Uh, This is a common pose in yoga. It can strengthen the lower back and the core muscles, again, supporting the pelvis and the SI joint. And the way this exercise is done is starting on your hands and knees, keeping your shoulders square. You slowly lift one leg and then the opposite arm straight into the air, parallel to the floor. Hold that for five to ten seconds. Lower your arm and leg and repeat. As I mentioned earlier, The SI joint is a real yet underappreciated pain generator for chronic low back pain. So if you think you have SI joint dysfunction, get an evaluation. Go see your healthcare provider. Go see your physical therapist or your trainer. But the most important thing is movement is medicine. Keep the muscles and the ligaments and the soft tissues around the SI joint strong and engaged so you don't fall into the trap of SI joint dysfunction. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning into The Backstory. We've got your back.
0: Thanks for listening to The Backstory. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and review The Backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. Dot .com that's r i c k y s i n g h m d.com